This episode of The House Glow is brought to you by Fun.com. Fun.com, the best place on the web to find officially licensed gifts, clothing, costumes, toys, and more. Fun.com also offers a variety of exclusive products they make themselves, and you won't find them anywhere else. Search great brands like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Care Bears, and many more. Click the Fun.com link in today's show notes and see the latest products, and also save 10% site-wide through August 7th of 2021. Your savings are automatically added to your cart, so just click the link and go have some fun shopping. Fun.com, your go-to destination for exciting and unique gifts. So you might as well outfit your wolf pack, because these savings will only last for a short time. They won't be for life. is a presentation of the Retro Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network proudly presents to you the Trios Tag Team Champions of the World, the Masked Library Kevin Hellions, Sweet Maddie Treats, and the Educator of Excellence, collectively known as the House Show. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the House Show. Wait a minute. House Show, but this is the run-in, but we're going to be covering in your house. I'm confused as how we should go with this, Kevin. Um, Season one bonus. Is this a bonus for season one? Yeah. All right, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Welcome to a bonus edition of season one. Of course, season one was when we covered every in your house episode so you know we had to cover nxt in your house it just happened last week um very happy to have uh of course the man you just heard the masked library kevin hallians kevin what do you want to say everyone everyone out there i mean i'm shocked as well here we are in a monday doing this um educators contract is kind of ironclad for closing out glow and I have many guests already committed for the hot tag, soon to be branded as Hellion's Talks, and even more guests to come. So this is NXT in your house kind of happening at just the perfect time here. Yeah, it really is the perfect storm. Uh, the educator is not here. Of course, when you don't have your educator there, what do you got to do, Kevin? Uh, it, well, you got a you got a phone list. The principal has or or secretary has a phone list there. You got to start calling first thing in the morning because uh, you got to bring in a substitute. Yes, we are looking for the substitute of success, and we found that man. It is none other than Crone Meltzer, Internet Legend. Crone, how are you doing? I am doing spectacular. The substitute of success is back, and I am ready. School is now in session. Oh, baby. I love it. I love it so, so much. So, yeah, guys, uh, we're here talking NXT in your house two or 2021. What did, what did they brand it as? 
they just they barely even said it was a takeover. It was just kind of like NXT takeover in your house. I think the the logo was slightly different than last year's. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we are going to to cover that. We're going to get right into it. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to give the floor to Crone Meltzer. Crone, you haven't been on the show in a while. It's been about a month. Uh, what do you want to say? Anything you want to say? Bring up this is your forum. You can run the tangent this week. Ooh, I, I get a little something right now. I The first thing I want to bring up, and you you know I got to go to this. It's going to be something with AEW. We got Arthur Ashe Stadium coming up, a big announcement, all out coming up. You know what? Let's not even limit it to just AEW. Let's talk about wrestling in general. Can we just be happy for a moment that we are finally about to have wrestling as we know it back? We're going to have fans in attendance. We're going to have live shows as a plethora of shows around our neck of the woods that we'll be able to attend coming up soon. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great time. And gentlemen, I cannot, cannot wait to discuss takeover in your house tonight as I feel like the, the road of COVID is finally coming to an end. And this is the WrestleMania. This is the end. Yeah. I would think that, uh, you know, at least in our area, our neck of the woods, obviously it doesn't look like shows won't start until the fall when it comes to WWE, AEW, that sort of thing. So uh, very looking forward to going to some live wrestling shows um, and having it be like a normal wrestling show, not a socially distanced one, you know, to be jam packed with fans into an arena. I, I look forward to that. Now I'm, I'm curious as to how, uh, ticket sales will be for these events when you're when you're trying to pack 10,000 people into a show if it's not a big show uh, no pun there for Paul White yeah. but uh, do you think they're going to draw the crowds that they were getting pre-pandemic well let me you're you're another sports guy just like myself do you, I feel like sports that that have allowed that so far, you know, haven't had as much of an issue. I feel like people are kind of clamoring to get back out there almost. Uh, the Texas Rangers were one of the first teams, you know, that had, I think they had like almost a full packed house and everything. It, a lot of these things are slowly getting back to normal. And as far as the ticket sales, no, I, I, I do not think that there will be a problem. I think people are ready. You know, if, if they're a little worried, I think they'll wear their masks, but a lot of people have have their vaccine and everything, and I think it's time to get the show back on the road. Kevin, your thoughts? Do you think that uh, ticket sales will be right where they were? I think, honestly, it might even be higher. You got all these people that were used to going out, used to spending money, used to doing things in many states, still at home, still places closed. Like, things are opening up more and more, but life isn't quite normal. Maybe your paychecks aren't quite normal, maybe kids spouse school whatever and i think uh new york state just hit 70 percent. we have all sorts of stuff opening back up i think you're going to see more and more people go out because they're like listen i've had a year and a half of not being able to go to stuff i'm going to everything and i have all this money sitting in my bank account that used to go to going out every night going out to eat going out to drink going to shows whatever and all that money's sitting there so let me go to everything i can now yeah, I'll be very, very curious. This will be a big test, especially for the WWE, because their shows suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I, since I have the forum for a second, that's a, that's a point that I want to bring up is Tony Khan really with AEW and what he did in the middle of a pandemic is pretty spectacular if you think about it. The guy had what, all of five or six months on the road 
you know, a startup wrestling company that has a national television deal. And within six months, you have this pandemic. He's in a world he's never even had to chart before. And look at the end product now. He's got what? Two shows now on broadcast television coming up. He's got a new TV deal. And WWE has some of their lowest viewers ever for Raw. I mean, Vince McMahon with 35 plus years, you know, he couldn't he couldn't navigate the waters of COVID like Tony Khan did. And I give that guy a lot of credit for what he did. Um, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you to say they've been navigating the waters uh, during COVID. Uh, WWE did sign a billion dollar deal with Peacock to take their network. So I think they're doing OK. I mean, they are. But as far as viewership goes, I mean, that that's the thing. Like you, you could argue you could argue that the shows on Friday nights or Saturday nights. I think they're coming up on Saturday night are going to have low ratings or have low ratings. But the fact of the matter is, is and maybe this is just me from a fan standpoint. But AEW has had really good television throughout the entire pandemic. And WWE, I mean, look at the laundry list of people that they've released. You know, I, I have I have friends of mine who do not want to go to WWE shows anymore because they're upset with them releasing all these people in the middle. I mean, think back to the people they furloughed at the beginning of this. WWE hasn't had a good look at all through any of this. Yeah, they may have signed a big contract and everything, but like, cool, you know. Money is money at the end of the day. Money comes and money goes. But if you can have fan happiness and fan support, I think that goes a lot longer in the long run. I, I think when when the case of the WWE, uh, before I, I pass it to you, Kevin, um, is that I, I don't think they care about the fans. Uh, they they don't. They, they are making more money than they ever have before because of them not caring about the fans. They're trying. They're just become a content. Uh, they're basically the hype house. They're just a content creation uh, group, in all honesty. And it doesn't matter, you know, what they're doing. They're just pumping out things, and uh, they're they're selling them to these these uh, people that you know want the streaming service, need content for those streamers, and and that's what they're doing now. Um, especially when it looks like they're going to have less house shows, obviously, uh, because it looks like they're only going to be traveling. Uh, the schedule looks like they're they're doing shows, of course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and that's it. Just those four days of the week. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what, what everything is. But uh, what about you, Kevin? What are your thoughts? I think AEW got very, very lucky that because of the con money, they were able to have the daily place, daily's place. True. If they didn't have that, it wouldn't have looked as good. But to have that venue, to have the outside to have you know anyone that's signed by the company that's not currently in the ring or getting ready for it on the outside it made it still feel like a show where while the thunderdome is a lot of money and a good option when you don't really have a lot of options it was a good idea it still has never felt real it's never felt the same as having a real crowd there wrestlemania started feeling good again like oh here's the crowd wrestling needs a crowd but also you're right wwe is not a wrestling company and that's more than just vince mcmahon and sports entertainment we make movies pal and all that crap they are a content creator a brand creator it is no different than it's disney it's Batman. It's as long as we're pumping out something for people to purchase or to put in front of them, we will always be guaranteed to make X amount of millions of dollars. And it really doesn't matter what that content is. It could be crap. We're guaranteed to make money, though. And that's where they're at now. 
I, they are not worried about putting out a quality thing. They're just worried about putting out something. You know, the Dollar Tree has a Batman toy, and so does your high-end collectible thing. Here's one for Dollar. Here's one for 50 bucks. Still Batman either way. DC still makes money either way. WWE's like, listen, we can put out WrestleMania and actually give... <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Actually, but, you know, actually have something going on here. Or we can just do Dollar Tree Raw here. And someone's going to watch it for three hours and our advertisers are going to pay us. Doesn't matter. That's not good. Yeah. So it's been it's been an interesting uh, year and a half, I would say. And, you know, yeah. to have these live shows be starting uh, in July. Uh, very, very fun. We cannot wait. Literally like one month away. So it uh, should be fun. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about nxt takeover in your house 2021 uh two whatever you want to call it um and guys this one has todd pettengales everywhere on this thing and it's fantastic uh i thought the segments with tom pettengale were great i really enjoyed the fantastic opening uh montage to hype us up i thought that was fantastic and then we get uh naomi fox performing a song and uh, the fans don't care. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know the song. And I'm not one of those like, who's this person? I don't know who they are. My musical taste is not popular music. Just flat out isn't. So if you bring someone on, Bad Money, for example, for WrestleMania, I'm already there. You don't need to put on a musical act to get me to watch. I'm already there. You need to put it on to get new people. And that's what they're doing. But yes, the fans didn't care. The fans that are there live. Honestly, I was disappointed with those live fans constantly throughout the evening. I'm like, we should have had a chant. We should have had a reaction. We should have had a gasp, a cheer, a boo, something. And they were barely audible, barely caring, barely doing anything throughout the night. Like that, if you're going to have live fans, these were the worst live fans I've seen since the return of live fans. Disappointed. I I agree. It was really sad. And I, I, for the record, have no idea who the hell Naomi Fox is either, and I think she did a terrible <laughs> job. I'm pretty sure she was lip syncing that. Oh, she, it did not she look was like definitely lip syncing. It was that was not good at all. I, you know, Kevin, I totally echo that sentiment though. When I was watching the show, I was thinking to myself, "You've been waiting for how long to be able to go out and see wrestling?" And it seemed like everybody was just like sitting on their hands. Like if that was me in there, I'd be going nuts. That would be, you know, that's what you want. Maybe it's the Capitol Wrestling Center because I'm not sure how it's constructed. And I know that they were at full sale before the pandemic. So maybe it's like a limited amount of people or something. I don't know. I think they said online that they had 300 people in there. And the Capitol Wrestling Center is just the PC. Um, it's just the performance center that they've redone. I mean, they've done a great job with it, and I, I, I do like the the intimate setup. It almost feels like that's what a, the setup for Raw Underground should have been, it's, if mm-hmm. everyone remembers what that was a while back. But, yeah, these fans were not into it whatsoever. Um, I think the only act they were really into was Adam Cole, is what it seemed like. Um, but it really made me miss the AEW um the fans that they had a double or nothing because they were super into the product and they really made everything feel so much grander because of it. But they just, uh, these, these fans were, were just not into it. And you think that this would have been louder or mic'd better because it's such an intimate venue. 
Yeah. I mean, if we're going with, oh, there's only 300 fans. All right. Show it pastime in October. Yeah. Pa- could pastime hold 300? Like, I think that's pushing it. Let's just say for sake of argument, they can, that both venues can hold the same amount of people. I will need earplugs for that show in October. It is going to be deafening. And if anything's recorded for any, I don't know if it's going to be or not. I'm not part of that stuff. But let's assume something's recorded to be available for people to watch somewhere. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear the fans react throughout the evening. Like you're saying AEW there. I heard fans chant Eddie for an entire match going nuts for him. And these fans seeing same people, same ones they should have supported, seeing like the wrestlers going all out for it, just sitting on their freaking hands. Like just disappointing. And and you would think these are people passionate about it, all excited to have tickets, you know, oh, it's back and it's live and all, and just be ready to go nuts for it. And it was Oh, it's just disappointing watching it. Well, let me pose a question. Do you fan wise, action wise, no? <laughs> do you do you think that that's because of the type of fan that the companies draw? Like, I feel like AEW draws the more hardcore fan, and the more hardcore fan is going to be that person that, much to your credit, would be at a pastime athletic club or something like that. It almost feels like. AEW, when they have a live crowd, almost feels like Attitude Era again. Like, it's like a party. Like, you want to be there. WWE doesn't feel like that. NXT did, to a degree, when they were in full sale. They definitely did, but it did not seem like it at this show. No, but it feels closer to, I'd say NXT feels closer to AEW for, you know, not indie, but, like, passionate fans. Raw just feels phoned in. SmackDown is better because of people on there trying harder um um, and then nxt still can get a reaction out of me for stuff and i i think it's absolutely you can tell who's writing shows not that it's perfect but you can tell who's writing shows and some are just come across better i'm very curious as to what the live crowds will be when they have a takeover that's not at the capital wrestling center because if takeovers are going to be their these own have their own weekends you got to remember a lot of people that would go to these shows are people that would go, oh, we're going to the Royal Rumble as well. We are international fans. We are fans that are traveling to this area to see wrestling for two nights. You know, uh, we were we were just talking how I would get, you know, you'd get the four night ticket where you're at SmackDown, Raw, um, TakeOver and Rumble, Mania, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm going to be very curious for these kind of standalone NXT shows, if you only got one show to go to, the prospects of traveling to just to go see an NXT takeover is is not, in, in my opinion, it's not that incentive that it was to go see, oh, I'm going to San Antonio for this weekend for three wrestling shows. I would, I would agree with that. I, I also don't know if the fans going to want to, you know, cough up that that sort of money much of like you're saying what size arenas are nxt going to be looking at running are they going to be trying to run you know like the barclay center and stuff like that or are they going to be running smaller venues because i tend to agree with you i don't know if nxt itself can sell out you know the barclay center on its own without like a a rumble or like a hype machine behind it i think you, you could build to it but i think right now no yeah. So anyways, why don't we get right into match number one on the card, which was our 
Uh, MSK and Bronson Reed taking on Legato del Fantasma. Uh, what would you guys think of this opener? Perfect opening match. Brilliant to have this match open up. Um, you could have seen any title change happening and it would have been believable, would have been acceptable. I would have been all right with it, with what ended up happening with with them retaining or, if, you know, tag tells in North American change. I would have been okay with anyone pitting anyone. This is also where I realize these fans suck tonight because there were great high spots. MSK has been fantastic. The Gato Fantasma just as soon as like they're becoming more and more of a of a well-tuned machine and gelling together and just having these Zen moments of knowing where each other are in the ring and being able to do stuff without communicating. They just look at each other and know what's up next. Bronson Reed's fantastic. God, he's gotten so like when the switch was turned on, there was no looking back for him. He's gotten so good since being given a chance to just run with it. And these fans just crickets out of it. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is fun. This is fantastic. And if you guys were reacting, I would be totally in for it and excited for the evening. Because, you know, I'd feel like I'm right there with you for it. But I I had a blast watching this. I got to give it up for all of them. And like I said, total great opener. I was like, all right, I'm set for the evening now. Yeah, I thought I thought this was probably my favorite match of the entire evening. This match, they all six of these guys went really hard. Bronson Reed, impressive. MSK, impressive. Legato, Del Fantasma, all super talented wrestlers. I'm I'm a big fan of Joaquin Wild. I think he put on a pretty good performance in this match. The uh, there's a lot of really cool spots. Um, there was that one modified poetry in motion combined with the move that the world's greatest tag team used to do in the corner by MSK and Reed. That was a nice touch. The uh, assisted 450 by Legato Del Fantasma. That was pretty nice. Um, and I mean, you got to mention Bronson Reed putting Santos Escobar through that barricade at ringside. Yeah, that, that was, was that, that was awesome. That was good stuff. That was so big. The only thing I didn't like about uh, him getting thrown through that barricade was him mugging to the camera over the title. Like it was just contrived. Like the setup was. Yeah. It was a little, the, the setup went on a little bit too long. He was clearly buying time for it. when it was done. It was impressive. I didn't see it coming. I honestly just thought he was, you know, go just mugging for the camera and that'd be it. Or maybe actually going to the ring and try to use the title. So I didn't expect or see that freight train coming at him. So I popped for it. I thought it was really cool. But you're right. Like watching again, I'm like, geez, that was some stalling to set it up. If I if I wasn't watching that one, if I knew what was coming in that one, I think I would have been disappointed because I would have seen it coming. But because it surprised me, I was entertained by it, despite even then seeing like, you know, this the way too long setup for it. Yeah, I really think too. MSK and Legato they have great chemistry as tag teams. The, their, their matches are always seem to be pretty, uh, pretty good in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I don't understand why these fans one, they don't like MSK. Um, they're just rejecting them. It seems like to me, um, obviously it seems like they were into Legato a little more. I understand that because the Legato, I mean, that act is great. Um, I, I really think NXT is really hitting it out of the park when it comes to their, kind of their factions if you will um 
because you got Legato, which is which is a, a good faction. Uh, the way has been fun for what they've been. Um, I wish they were a little more serious, but the comedy is working well. Um, and we'll talk about it later. But I'm really digging Hit Row a lot, and I love the way they're presented. I I mean, it's just like AEW. Not to draw the parallel again, but AEW is a ton of stable. I feel like with stables, there comes excitement because you can get multiple people in the mix without having to have every person in the match. For instance, Raw, in my opinion, when it was at least watchable, was when they had the Hurt business going around and everything. I feel like you get those stables, it kind of creates a more intimate environment. It makes sense, doesn't it? Well, I mean, you you have always been a big Retribution fan, so... Oh, yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge fan. But I mean, the New Japan model, I, I think it works. I think there's something to be said for that because it just naturally makes sense that you'd have allies. You know, not every person in the WWE is going to run around by themselves pretty much. It makes sense. Yeah. And to just go back to what you're saying there, Treats, MSK is being booed. I don't know why. I'm thinking because they did kind of show up out of nowhere overall and then they're put in a very big position then they get the tag titles and also i think you see some fans kind of reacting like oh they got everything too soon which is ridiculous but i think msk would be really good heels too mm-hmm. i could see an eventual heel turn and i think they would just soar to even greater heights as heels yeah um so anyways we follow that up with cool kyle in the parking lot with the way kind of getting into it um, and then we get uh, Todd Pattengale with a videotape. Uh, Kevin, are you God, upset? That was funny. Are you upset he doesn't know how to use a VCR? And if he doesn't, should he be following at Hoju Coolander? I think he should. But man, the videotape part was fantastic. And then wasn't that the one where he calls uh, their new backstage girl Stephanie Winan? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I lost it. Whole thing was fantastic. He like. He doesn't look like it's been as many years as it's been. He looks like five years older, not like 20, 25 years older. Do you think that's because he hasn't been stressed out from having Vince yell at him because he's been gone for so long? Probably. It's kind of like being a president. You get behind the desk on Raw for four years. He aged like 20. Yeah. No, absolutely. Kind of looks like Alex Marvez, especially with that flavor saver he's got going on. They could be like brothers. Yeah, they could. They look like Mario and Luigi. Perfect. <laughs> That's the, you know, the grand scheme of things. So, um, But why don't we follow that up with match number two on the card, which was Mercedes Martinez uh, taking on uh, Zia Lee. Uh, what do you think of this one? Kevin, I know um, you are expert in women's wrestling. So, uh, you know, what, what did you think of this? You've been looking, you know, you, you brought up the thing to uh, myself and the educator that your lovely wife is trying to get into women's wrestling. She wants to kind get of back get, into get back yeah. into it because for some reason, when you guys started dating, she was into it. Mm-hmm. Then when you got married, she's not into it anymore. No, no, this apparently happens for lots of men for lots of things. Well, yeah. Send your emails too. <laughs> um, but when, <laughs> when we were dating, she was very into the knockouts division and that was like a golden age for them too. So what what did you think of this? Would this be a match you you could show it? Do you like the whole Zaylee tension uh, thing that's going on? I think Zaylee has a lot of potential, and I think they're really really trying to build her up. And part of it is to open up that market and get all of those potential viewers a, a hero 
you know, and uh, Bo there clearly isn't coming along like they thought he would or else he'd be wrestling more as well. But to give Zyli a spotlight, to give her something to do, it's a new look, new attitude. And you do look how she was um, in May Young Tournament. And she's just like this fresh-faced little pixie kid in there. And she's come so far with this attitude, with this new look and all. And it looks fantastic. The opening for it, the graphics, everything, her gear, style, everything. It looks amazing. And then I've always been a huge fan of Mercedes Martinez. And this is like, she deserves this spot. She's in. I really hope that like they do something. I want her to win just one title in WWE. I don't care which one, but just one of the women's ones at some point. She absolutely deserves it. I think like as much of a of an icon as Sarah Del Rey is, clearly at this point, she's just not going to wrestle a match on camera in WWE. That's just not happening because it would have by now. Mercedes is someone that would be that player coach and can take someone like Xia and make her better, can take anyone and make them better in the ring. I thought she was doing amazing too. And then I saw a little bit uh, as we're recording here of, you know, she's not done yet and we'll have some more stuff going on NXT. I love Mercedes for this as well. I, I was thrilled with it. I very happy. I, to see it. I personally think that I, I, first off, I knew going into this match exactly what it was. I knew this was nothing more than to get Zia Lee over. Oh I yeah. Like they're really pushing this tension thing, but I, I'm much like you. I, I agree. I think, you know, Mercedes Martinez, she's a journey woman wrestler who's competed everywhere to CW she competed in AEW a couple years ago, Ring of Honor, TNA, CZW, Shimmer, you name it. You know, she's competed everywhere. She is a journeywoman wrestler. I actually, when I was watching the show, I uh, checked out her cage match, found out she's been wrestling for 20 years, which is quite mm-hmm. a feat in and of itself. I, I give her a lot of credit for that, so I agree with you. You know, maybe maybe even like a women's tag title run, much like you're saying a protege type, you know, get a student or something like that and have them win the titles. I, I wouldn't mind something like that. I think, I think she's most certainly earned it. Maybe not so much for her work within NXT, but what she has done for women's wrestling as a whole in the United States. Well, like, like you're saying, we knew how this match was going to go. Cause the whole point is to push Zia for this gimmick, right. but it had to be done in a way that, on paper, straight up, no gimmicks, Mercedes Martinez beats Zia every day of the week. Right. But when you pull in the gimmick and the storyline and everything, they did a good job of this is how Zaya was able to beat the much more experienced Mercedes Martinez, and I think it worked. I also think Mercedes in a, is in a spot now, which I really think they wanted Chris Hero to be in, of the player-coach spot. Take these new people, make them better, give them the in-ring stuff, walk them through it. Yeah, I, I thought this match was kind of interesting, too. Um, not because it's just basically a, a showcase match, really, for, for kind of Zyli, but uh, it was for a takeover match, only seven minutes long. I mean, it, it was a short match, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a OK. I, I do not mind that whatsoever uh, when it comes to match length, uh, having some shorter matches mixed in there, especially when you know. Your, your five ways going to go long, and then probably your, just if you're looking at the card, your ladder match will go long, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it gives them uh, a showcase, a spotlight, a larger card, and honestly, seven minutes for a match like that, perfect amount of time. I certainly wouldn't have gone any more than ten. 
I, yeah, I agree with that. There was no, there was definitely no need to, especially for the story and everything. And then you add in afterwards, like what happened post-match and everything that was, that took what in total, probably like 12 minutes. I think that was, that was fine for what it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we followed that up with, uh, old man Champa and, uh, Timothy Thatcher cutting a, uh, getting a promo we uh, they're taking on uh jyv the grizzled young vets on nxt actually just happened already uh yesterday two couple days ago so uh did you guys watch nxt this week by the way out of curiosity i went through a bunch on youtube and online but i haven't sat down to watch the whole thing yet i tuned in to watch the beginning because i I wanted to see if it was what I thought it was, and it was. I don't want to spoil it for Kevin if he hasn't seen it. So, well, I gotta say I love Champa, but <laughs> sorry, I am not caring about this tag team. No. Um, so, so, anyways, this last week of NXT television was really good. It's a really good uh, episode of NXT. So, just so that out there. Kevin, I was talking with one of my buddies, and I agree with you. I thought it was really weird that they put Champ in another tag team when he was with Gargano, and they had such a great tag team. But I got to thinking, I think it's because they don't, they know Champ is injury prone, and they don't want him to get hurt. So maybe they want him to work primarily tag team matches that way to at least like keep him somewhat healthy and limit him in the ring. That's the only reason I could think why they'd put him in a tag team because you got to think he would be a huge player to have in the main event scene right now. True, but I think you're right. He he's done everything that you wanted him to do if a call up was gonna happen, which honestly I think it was about to for him and Gargano before his next surgery there a few years ago. I think around the same time Alistair well, and Ricochet he hurt were his brought knee. up. Oh, it was his knee, sorry, not. Yeah, no. during that during that tag match. They brought him up and then they landed right on his knee and he was out with his knee surgery. He had a neck surgery too, though, didn't he? Like shortly after. Uh, yeah, he's had surgeries everywhere, I think. Yeah, but I it would make sense to protect him in a tag and also help him to work with other people too. I get it. You know, I I would of course want to see more from him, but what's he got to prove? Yeah, he's, he's done, done everything much already. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, NXT's at this weird place right now too, where we were so used to and brought up. Okay, these people have had their run in NXT. Now they go to the main roster. Mm-hmm. They've had their run. They're going to SmackDown. They're going to Raw. And now it's like your top your top people in NXT have been the same people because they're not going because it's another it's on television now. It's another brand. They're not feeding really to the main roster anymore like they used to. I honestly think that's why the product itself is kind of like gone back from what it once was is because of that. They don't have that revolving door of talent to to necessarily keep it fresh i mean they're trying to but at the end of the day you know if if it's a brand and everything ultimately the same people are going to be you know tossed around pretty much endlessly now with the litany of releases that they've had over the past couple of weeks maybe some people will get moved up and you know maybe some faces will get moved around but this goes back to what you were saying before about them being a standalone brand on on its own. That's kind of what you need too. At the end of the day, you need to have those stable faces. I would imagine. So, you know, it's kind of a give and a take a little bit. I mean, we're almost at a point now where you need like I don't know NX pre, like you need something before NXT now, of actually getting people ready in your young talent. Yeah. Well, let's go to two pretty new acts as far as the NXT lifestyle goes 
we're talking about match number three on the card, which is our ladder match for the Million Dollar Championship. It is the uh, the Going to the Moon Millionaire Cameron Grimes taking on Cameron the pride Grimes. of Hangerstown, Maryland, L.A. Knight. Uh, what did you guys think of this, um, this uh, ladder match? I personally thought that this was not a terrible ladder match. I was intrigued to see how this would go. Now, I'm not too familiar with L.A. Knight, Eli Drake. I haven't seen a ton of his stuff outside of NXT, so from the NWA or Impact, I haven't seen a ton of it. But I'm pretty privy to the fact that this wasn't going to be a Jeff Hardy, Rob Van Dam-style ladder match. These guys, they put on a a pretty good match, all things all things considered. There were some pretty nasty bumps in this match. The jumping neckbreaker on the side of that ladder was a really sick spot. And I don't know if LA Knight really got hurt there. I hate calling him that. That sounds terrible. It sounds like it sounds like the name of like a, a star from like an 80s cop movie or something. It's great. <laughs> but like I I don't know if someone got hurt in that spot or not, but these guys definitely brought it. I I think Cameron Grimes is going to be a star in the future. I love I know you love his act. I love his act. I love everything about him. I think LA Knight, I I could see him being a player on the main roster, honestly. He's one of those, like, solid hand-type guys. You know, you could move him up there. You could have him in, like, an intercontinental U.S. title. He's a guy that I don't think will be long for NXT maybe forever. I could see him maybe getting a call-up similar to, like, Bobby Roode. Um, But we'll see, you know. I thought it was a good match. Uh, I knew that I knew that bump was coming at the end and it still made me squirm because taking a back bump like that onto a ladder onto the onto the ramp did not look it did not look like it was uh, pleasant, but I liked it. I thought it was a good match. Good ladder match. And honestly, I think it's exactly what I would expect a level I would expect from two people of a mid-card title level it you know for a secondary title to have a ladder match on a a show yeah this is about what i would expect um and i thought they did good i thought there was lots of good spots a lot of interesting stuff a lot of close calls there was it cameron that barely avoided rolling out of the ring when the ladder was coming crashing down on him or is it night but anyways i mean like a lot of real close calls real interesting spots and everything I never cared for Cameron as Trevor Lee. I'm just like, what the hell is this? But him as Cameron Grimes, geez, just give him something and he will run with it. And that's a talent right there. Like this on paper sounds like the dumbest idea for gimmick. And he succeeds so well with it. He is doing amazing. LA Knight, I'm just like, what are you doing? Because, yeah, it's a terrible name. Horrible name. And his gimmick, I'm like, who are you channeling? And the best I can come up with is I think he's trying to be both Hollywood blondes at the same time. And that's kind of what gimmick he's going for here. And I, as a wrestler, he just seems like average. I'm just trying to understand what's the push. And unfortunately, the last time I saw someone pushed that I didn't get, that I really sat down and watched a ton of their matches all in a row to try to like make sense of who sees what in them, was Gunner's TNA run 
and we see how that worked out for me. <laughs> so, not, not planning on sitting down watching a whole L.A. Knight marathon. Well, here's the thing, Kevin, with, with L.A. Knight. Um, he's more of a throwback wrestler to, to the wrestlers of the 80s because if you watch really his matches, he's not going to win you over with his work rate. I mean, he's solid in the ring, but he's not, he's not giving you a five-star classic. I no, mean, but it's, it's his attitude. It's his gimmick, his promo and stuff, what he comes out what he portrays but that's the thing that feels like he's watching stuff of other people and cherry picking and stealing things from them which is fine but is it going to work and uh like you're saying if he went main roster he's absolutely in the tag team they'll bring him up and then not know what the hell to do with him la Knight and bobby but, rude rude knights i do think though it makes the most sense to have him win this title and I was very impressed with what they did on Tuesday's episode of NXT. Because I'm like, that makes sense too. Like, I like how, uh, while I may not get him, I think the booking of him has made a lot of sense as it, and is going to push him further. And I think Cameron chasing him is a much more interesting story too. I totally agree. I almost got, I almost got like Cody, Anthony, and Gogo vibes just because I felt like it was like the younger guy against the veteran. And you're right. I didn't think that it was Cameron Grimes' time to win this. I feel like there's more stock. I, I've always felt that there's more stock in the baby faces chasing the heels. Maybe that's because growing up, I watched primarily WWE. So that was, you know, WWE's mantra. But, well, at least when I started watching, when you had Triple H running the show, I know back in the day, Hogan. It was a face factor, the heel factory for the face. But I do think that Cameron Grimes' time will come. I think from the little bit I did see on NXT from this week, I think that uh, I think this will be a very good ending. And I do think that Cameron Grimes will end up getting a nice, solid push out of the gate for this. Maybe a North American title in the future for him. I, I don't think his act is going to be a main event act. Not on the main roster level, at least. I feel like in, in NXT, I feel like that type of an act you could get pushed to the title but i don't see that for the main roster per se i would see i would see him getting pushed and vince looking at him as a joke and throwing him in the 24 7 title picture so i hope he just stays in nxt i i could see him bumped up main roster and having a santino morella level i could see an ic or us and a tag title run for him yeah, that wouldn't be terrible. I think even even for that, though, like Santino, when he had that initial run, he was like kind of taken seriously. It wasn't until after that that they like strapped him with all those lame gimmicks and everything, because that's that's one thing. This is a perfect example in comparison to AEW, where you have almost like a comedy gimmick in Orange Cassidy who they can push as a main eventer. But WWE's they've never really given me that, you know, given you that true you know, you've had glimpses of it with people like Kurt Angle and stuff like that, but that wasn't like the the root of their character per se. So like, and I know that Cameron Grimes is a little bit of a comedy character. You know, I mean, the whole thing is really overblown. It's not meant to be serious. So I just, I don't know how well it would suffice on the roster. I think we're all in agreement that when Vince gets his hand on Cameron Grimes, he's going to be a comedy wrestler because he's just so oh, good absolutely. at it. I mean, um, unfortunately... That's what he will be pigeonholed into. And and that'll lead us to our next match because I got to thinking about what he would do to Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, well, we'll get right to that. But first, we got to do Todd Pattengale hanging out with Hit Row, baby. Oh, yeah. 
uh, I'm really into the hit row, the the way that they are presenting them. I really enjoy Swerve as the leader. Uh, of course, they have the the female in there as well, and then you have Top Dalla AJ Francis in there, who is when he's not with Hit Row, he's out trying to get memorabilia for the WWE. Oh, that, Dude, that was your spot. That's so stupid. I hate that. That it's that show's awful. It's all one. Well, I don't hate the show. I mean, the show is what it is. It's 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 nothing. It's cotton candy. It's no substance whatsoever. It's sweet to kind of see some more wrestling stuff, but like. To have him be a face on the show and then a heel on this show. Like, I hate that. I, I can't stand that. Yeah. But I will say their presentation of Hit Row already, I could see any one of them winning an NXT title out of nowhere. Like a normal episode in the NXT, oh, we're in a title match here, and then shocking everyone by actually winning it. Just the way their booking makes them seem so unpredictable that you could see anything like that happen for them. This, this literally... In my opinion, Kevin, this is exactly what you were describing earlier about WWE and how they're putting they put content out there. These guys already have a song on the on the Apple chart or whatever. Like huh? these guys themselves are already like putting content out there, which is you know that that's if they're gonna have a quote unquote hit row, which is supposed to be almost like a record label type stable, like that's brilliant. All that does, if, if they actually have people that come in and, you know, actually do music or stuff like that, and you put them in there, that's just more content to feed out there. This is like a, the, a WWE dream right here. So I agree with you. I could definitely see any of these guys getting pushed in, and having some form of a title run in one way or another. I could see even like an NXT North American title run and a tag title run for the group. I think these guys have money written all over them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that leads us to match number four, a co-main event of the evening for the women's championship, which is which is Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai taking on Ember Moon. Um, let me start with Crone Meltzer because you kind of brought it up. Uh, what, what did you think of the match and what would Vince do with Raquel? Well, I thought <clears throat> I think that Raquel Gonzalez over the past year from what I've seen has had a and I don't think it's been any secret. It's almost been a diesel-like push for an in-your-house reference here. The whole diesel and Shawn Michaels, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez thing has worked hand-in-hand. Hand. And Raquel Gonzalez is pretty impressive. I'm going to be honest. Her, her finisher there, um, Lance Archer used to do it back in TNA. He called it the Texas Tower Bomb. It's almost like a one a one-armed chokeslam powerbomb. That finisher looks devastating and i think she fits her role perfectly she's like like a almost like a giant in there in the women's division and look at someone like nia Jax. look at someone like tamina you know there there you can look at any female on the roster and i hate to say it but Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, their days are going to come too. You know, eventually they're going to lose the titles and they're going to fall in the back of the line and they're going to fall out of favor too. That's the way it goes with the women's division, unfortunately. So that's what I mean about Raquel Gonzalez getting called up. I feel like she's just going to be another cog in the... Ember Moon got called up and she went back to NXT. Why? Because she was another cog in the wheel. That's all it is. I, I feel I feel there would be a place for Raquel Gonzalez almost forever in NXT. Like, I think she is the perfect type of female to have in NXT is like a monster. I mean, she is, but you could have her be a monster anywhere. Whenever they start 
you know, whenever Vince gets his hands on her, she's going to be a star wherever you want to put her. And we're in a weird spot where your three women champions there are absolutely genetic freaks for the stuff that they can do. You, I mean, four horsewomen for absolutely revolutionizing women's wrestling WWE got to look at these three and go, holy crap. They got everything, uh, uh, the path we laid out, the roads we built, everything that we did, and then they can do that in the ring too? Like, that's at another level for them, for the strength, the speed, the power, for all three of them. Raquel, for just how far she's come in the last year, is ridiculous. She, I think she's got unlimited potential. I could, you you could have her show up, you know, oh, we're going to shake things up again. Have Raquel show up and immediately challenge either Bianca or Rhea. People would go nuts for it. Now, I'm also wondering how much of that is Dakota Kai, because I think Dakota Kai is a great pairing with her. And Dakota on the outside as sort of like, not manager, but helper there, she was fantastic in this match too. Forget again, her foot on the ropes, distracting the referee, facial expressions, everything. I'm hoping you two get this. Dakota Kai is the Jenny Slate of WWE. That went over my head. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Kevin, your TikTok is showing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I agree. Um, you know, it's funny you, you say like Vince falls out of favor. That's every wrestler except Roman. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, anyone that's on the main roster has fallen out of favor with the exception of Roman Reigns and Charlotte Flair. Well, Charlotte Flair, but there, I mean, Hey, she's still a name. I mean, we know why those but are your top two she's, though. She's still I mean. a name. I mean, she's still, it, it's I, the, pro- look, the problem I have ultimately with the main roster is that their booking is just so bad. They don't know how to book people long-term. I'll be totally honest with you. You look at NXT, and much like Kevin said, look at the past year. Raquel Gonzalez actually has a notable climb to get to where she is now. It makes sense in a storyline. If you look at it from start to finish like a book, it makes sense. You go to WWE, one week friggin' Bobby Lashley's wrestling for the U.S. title, and the next week he's the WWE champion. It's just like the, the some of the stuff like it doesn't make sense. There's too much hot shotting going on. There's there's a lot of storylines that just get dropped, like the the hacker thing they had going on. It, it there's that stuff was, that, just, that was Mustafa Ali. It just gets it gets it gets disappeared. It gets dropped. Everything everything gets dropped. Okay, but even if it was, look at Retribution. What do they do? They try and build it up, and three months later, they're like, yeah, all right, no more. It, it, it there's nothing to it. There's no substance to their stories anymore. Except There's for no the, except for the Roman Reigns storyline. It's the yes, only one. I, I totally agree. And you know what, Matt? In my opinion, that's one of the best storylines they've done in the past 10 years. It makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. But that's one out of like 100. No, absolutely. So I, I have no faith in them. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, I, I will say also here. It's nothing against Ember Moon, but considering the build of Raquel, you could put anyone in that match. It didn't have to be Ember. She did well. It was a good match. It was entertaining. We could put Candice in there. You could put Shotzi in there. You could put anyone. The whole point was to show a dominant Raquel Gonzalez. Well, you got to think that the next match they'll probably do is Raquel versus Shotzi, right? Yeah. 
And I'm fully expecting Raquel versus Dakota at some point, too. Before Raquel versus Zia Lee. Who, who beats That's Raquel? Probably Zia Lee. If they keep pushing her the way they are now, it's I would imagine it would probably be her. Who else are they gonna? Who else are they truly pushing? I mean, if I thought there was a chance she would come back really healthy and not have anything happened, Tegan Knox. What about Zoe Stark? Terrible. That would not be terrible at all. Actually, that'd be perfect because of the tie-in with Dakota Kai and everything. I agree. Yep. Zoe Stark, uh, not for another year. Well. Maybe two. Oh, I could see Raquel holding yeah. it that long, sure. I mean, she could break Shanna Baszler's record. Should wow, well, yeah. and and Asuka, that's the problem though. NXT doesn't NXT have an issue where their women like hold the title for like years on end? How wait? Like, how I, is that an issue? Well, I mean, I I don't think Mister Long Term Booking. <laughs> I th- you say that I I say. I say that because there's a lot of people that are very deserving of the title that never get the chance because it gets pigeonholed. So take, for instance, the Asuka thing. Cool. But then you do the same storyline with Shayna Baszler two years later. You're now going to do the same storyline with Raquel Gonzalez. You, you can't go to the well one too many times. Like, it's nice to have a dominant champion, but you're telling me every person that wins the title has to hold the title for a year or two? Like, not every person should be the dominant champion she should be but the problem is is you build Oscar up as one you build Shayna Baszler up as so one. when and does then we'll have... so when does Tony Khan have Britt Baker drop the belt I'm when does probably... Kenny Omega drop the belt oh man well Mr. I mean, greatest booker ever over there though I would say Britt Baker drops about in probably six months and I would say Kenny Omega drops about at all out so in three months and I think I think that that's fair, and you know why I say that too, because look at all the other title runs. Sheeta just had a year-long title run. I don't think Britt Baker needs to hold the title for a year. Do you? No, she doesn't. Her act is too good. She doesn't need it. It's the same See, thing with Orange Cassidy. Like, he didn't need the title. I, I want him to have it, but that's all I think. Frequent title changes can help establish a belt, though. Like the NXT women's tag team titles already seem more prestigious than the Raw slash SmackDown ones because of the title changes that they're doing and who had it and all. But I do see having someone hold the title too long. Like I think Candace missed her shot with NXT women's title. Mm-hmm. And you have to build her up again to that but there was a window where i absolutely could have seen her winning it and it would have made sense and not everyone would have been thrilled with it and that window's just gone right now and it does happen Io Shirai, you didn't bring up but she held the title for a long time as well ripley there wouldn't have been anything yeah there wouldn't have been anything wrong with switching it up i think like the north american titles new, but we've had you know relatively frequent title changes that it does seem prestigious and worth holding and you know some people are going to have it and and help make that title even more important yeah i would agree with that i think it's the the level of i wouldn't say the the level of expectation it's it's the fact that if if everybody holds a title for such a long period of time I feel like it also builds everybody up into these super figures. And Kevin, I totally agree with you. The the frequent title changes for the North American title. If you, you know whoever's winning that title is uh, essentially a, it's like their version of the Intercontinental title. You know, you yeah. can list off all the people that have held that belt. It's all really solid, notable name talent. And 
you know, to be the NXT Women's Champion would be a, a solid, notable thing as well. But if you're going to be a stable brand, I feel like there are other people that are going to have to, you know, have that push up there as well. You can't, you can't kill everybody. Can I? Can That's I just? What Goldberg did. Can I just point out um, that let's start with Asuka having the belt in NXT mm-hmm. because you think like these, there's these women's reigns that are for so long. Okay, Asuka okay. held the belt 522 days. Okay. Okay. Ember Moon then got the belt for 139 days. Then Shayna Baszler had the belt for 132 days. Okay. Then Kyrie Sane had it for 71. Then you get Shayna with 416. Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley 108 days. Charlotte Flair with 63 days. Io Shirai with 304, and now Raquel's got 71. Okay, so Io Shirai would have been a better example. So they haven't but... really been that long in between. I, I, I don't know. I just think what what you're thinking is, like you're saying, like you're hot-shotting it. I mean, having someone hold the belt for three months isn't that bad. No, no, it's not. It's not no, that no. bad. You go ahead. You go ahead. Three months isn't a hot shot. And like I was saying for North American title or, or women's ones, like every so often have a week-long reign is fun and interesting, but you can't keep doing that because it does diminish the value of it. But I think you got three near or over a year reigns in there with uh eo shana and asuka but you gotta remember asuka was five seems... years ago like yeah, no i know but i'm saying right, like but, that... but when the other title reigns are a year long too technically you're getting down to like two years ago because they've had they've held the belt up for what she had it for two years one for a year and then another for almost a year as well that's four years in the past six years that's a lot i don't it's, i don't see an it, issue with it's it. just it's still rare to have someone keep a title for that long. So it does stand out as well. Roman right now should have that title for a while. It makes sense. Anyone else should be able to win or lose at any time though. Let me ask one, qu- one question to Crone Meltzer here. Okay. Roman Reigns has the belt, right? Mm-hmm. All right. What's more impressive? The fact that Roman's had it this entire time or that, um, Let's see here. Drew's won it twice. Randy Orton won it. And Bobby Lashley now has it. And there's a Miz in there, too. Okay. I <laughs> I mean, I get, the, no, I don't disagree with you. It is more important. My thing is this. I don't like it when all of the title matches are, I don't want to say, I, I. when you can go into every title match and pretty much call who's going to win it. You can tell, for the most part, you can tell who's being built up, how and why, and how the results can be. A perfect example, Matt, in my opinion, is the Young Bucks. You and I both know they're not losing the titles to Kingston and Moxley, to these other teams. I don't like that, because you know, you it's already, it you when we watched Double or Nothing, you knew damn well that they weren't winning those belts, Moxley and Kingston. And I don't like that. There needs to be some form of a a hitch in the heel so that you feel like... Anybody could win, you know, I mean, he's not there yet, but carrying cross may be bordering on that. Once we get to our next match, you know, how long is he going to hold on to the belt for it's, it's, uh, that's my only issue with it. I feel like it too, you, you already know what's happening before the match starts. I already knew who was going to win. I knew, I already knew. All right. Let's say drew winning the WWE title at 2020 mania and holding, let's say he held it straight through and was still champ today. That's not as interesting as Roman's story, though, because Roman as that champ also has 
maybe the best story in WWE right now. Yeah, totally agree. That adds to it. Drew held that title. He doesn't have anything to go along with it. It's just, oh, good good job. You beat someone else. You held on to the title. You're absolutely right. Same thing with Omega. That's why I think Omega's okay and not the Bucks. Omega has a storyline. The Bucks don't. That's why I'm okay with Omega holding it and not the Bucks. Like Omega's storyline seems to be like I'm stacking the deck and I'm being manipulative and I'm going to hang on to the titles because I'm I'm on I'm a huge heel for it. And that's interesting, whereas the Bucks seem like we're assholes, so we're going to just keep them. Right. Yes, exactly. And there is a difference between being a heel and just being a dick. My thing is just imagine how more impressive Bobby Lashley would have been if he would have been the person to beat Drew for the first title and held it. This entire oh, for time. sure. Instead of having instead of going to Orton, then back to Drew, then to the Miz, then to you know. Yeah. Um, also, too, if if McIntyre had held it this entire time, think about you could have done Roman versus McIntyre as your SummerSlam main event title. Well, yeah, but they did that at Survivor Series last year. You know. Yeah, but Drew wasn't champ at the time, was he? Yeah, he was. He he beat he beat beat, uh, Orton right in the. He lost yeah, to Orton like in the Hell in the Cell and then beat him in a random thing. Yeah, That's, I can't keep I mean, up. Roman, Roman's a, Roman's a different beast too, you know, because he's had that whole thing for like he's been on top for the past five or six years, and like I can't. I'm not gonna lie to you. Is it that Roman is a heel now? Is it that he has a good storyline? Is it a mix of both? You know, it is. It, that's what I mean, and everything's hitting a perfect flow. And with them going back on the road and everything, give me a heel Roman. I think that'll be great for business right there. That's what everybody's wanted for five years. So I, I like Roman's story. I honestly think, in my opinion, that might be the best story in wrestling right now, it is. period. It is. But the the quest, the problem with that is, and I know this is an NXT podcast today, but the problem with that is, who's the person to dethrone Roman? In the Who is the end game of the storyline? It's got to be one of the Usos, right? No. So no, who, one of the, no. Who who do you? Think I don't know. I is don't it the know. Rock? If, if it's the Rock, that's kind of it, like I don't think it's the Rock. I, mean, I think I Roman beats it. the Rock. But that I mean, I'm saying who who gets the one over on Roman? Who who like finishes this all? Who is what is the end game of the storyline? I don't know. I I think I would, it's the Rock, and I hate that. I would have Big E. I'd be okay with. that. I was thinking Big E or Keith or, Lee. Yeah, Keith Lee, I don't think so to be with the company. <laughs> too bad, too bad they yeah, didn't. Something's up. Too bad they didn't do something with Samoa Joe because he would have been the perfect they guy. Would have never. Um, or Cesaro. No, Cesaro won't. I know you have this I think... fantasy of Cesaro, but no, he had his one main event match. He's good. <laughs> I think you could build up Cesaro or Big E to be a contender to take it, though. Probably Big E's probably the the smartest bet. Unless there's someone, okay unless it's going to be, uh, who's the the Olympic wrestler? Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, G- Gable Stevenson. Yeah, is that his name? Like it's got to be. I'm thinking it's got to be someone that they're going to get their hands on soon. Or, and start or is it that that young Lesnar freak Parker Bordeaux? <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that. But that's possible. Maybe it's the Miz. Yeah. Maybe it's a returning okay. Braun. Yeah, yeah. Braun will return. He, I, I, I'm going to say it right now. He'll be back in the WWE. He'll be a surprise in the Royal Rumble. I, I don't I, know. I can see that. I don't know if this is confirmed, but this kind of ties into this. 
I think I read somewhere that he's dating Raquel Gonzalez, which is a weird couple yeah. in my opinion. So just imagine that. Like that would be a badass intergender tag team though. My God. Imagine if WWE did Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano versus Braun Strowman and Raquel Gonzalez. All right, let's let's move on to uh, uh, Todd Pettengale playing karate fighters with Dexter Loomis. Kevin, did, did you like this one? Oh, I, as soon as he busted out the karate fighters, I was losing it. Um, like, where did they even find them right now? Cardona's probably got some. Um, no, that's true. It, actually, you know who probably had some? Gargano probably just had some sitting around. Crone, um, <laughs> did you ever have karate fighters, or are you too young for this? I was too young for karate fighters. This would have been, what, probably like 95-ish, 96? Yes. I would have been four or five around that time. So, yeah, that was that was before I before me. All right, and then we go to our main event, which is our fatal five-way, which is Johnny Gargano taking on Kyle O'Reilly, taking on Pete Dunne, taking on Adam Cole Bay Bay, taking on Karrion Cross. What did you guys think of this five-way? Hellions, you can start it off. Disappointed. Honestly, uh, like from the start, I went, oh, freaking Cross is clearly keeping this. It's, it's just going to be let's fill time until we're ready for him to win the match. And he's so much bigger than the other ones. It felt like everyone was the same, just bumping around for him. And then he'd take a little break and we'd have like something interesting, but you knew it overall didn't matter because you knew eventually he's going to get up and end up getting the win anyways. Overall disappointed. I really, really want Kyle O'Reilly to be NXT champ. Really? Yeah. I don't at all. I don't think he's connecting personally. As a face, I think Cool Kyle's awful. I, 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 I think, think his be. series with Finn Balor, I really think you could have pulled the trigger then on it for him and Finn. Those were fantastic. But either way, I think Karrion is just such a oddity in NXT, but clearly they want to push him to the moon that it's damaging to the brand for what it usually is. My question, Kevin, is you're talking about how he looks so big. When he gets to the main roster, he's just going to be another guy. He's going to be average. He's probably Billy Gunn size. He's like and the Billy size of like, like monster. Yeah. But he seems like such a beast in NXT. It's, and it's, it's just. Do you think that's an issue? That they're that everybody is so small because you're right. I thought that while watching it too. Cross looks like a wrestler. He he looks like a star, and you're right. He feels out of place because he is a character in a show that's not really a character-driven show. I mean, let's call it for what it is. It's essentially akin to kind of like WCW in like the late '90s, where it's you know everybody, nobody's really got like a gimmick gimmick per se. Like it's people with their names and everything. So like I can see where he's like kind of you know stands out in that aspect but you're right a, a lot of these guys are really small i mean just any one of the other guys he was in the ring with could out wrestle him any Agreed. day of the yep. week and most of them could probably stretch him too <laughs> and you just knew the whole time it's like karen's gonna win this clearly the, the just money the booking the attention everything's behind him for it and i just kind of tuned out because i'm like i know what's gonna happen I know that they're just going to make him look dominant and make have him destroy five guys that could be title contenders here. And then, well, Ari be these five. What the hell do I got to prove now? Like, I just... It was the most WWE match on an NXT card. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I went 
and I when I was watching NXT on Wednesday, I they had Samoa Joe come out. And Samoa Joe was William Regal's like security or whatever. And Samoa Joe went face to face with Karrion Cross. And I thought to myself, damn, Impact had both of these guys and didn't know what to do with them. It literally just go. It's it's amazing to look at a lot of these talent and think of where they've been and think of the people that didn't know how to utilize them correctly. For instance, Killer Cross, Carrying Cross, he was a big player in Impact, but they couldn't keep him. They couldn't keep him happy. And look what happened. He's a he's a star now in NXT, and he probably will be a star on the main roster with Scarlett Bordeaux. I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's the same. But I would almost consider him like a modern-day Mark Miro with Sable, with Scarlet at his side, in my opinion. Like, she enhances the product that much, but she can also take the eyes off of him to a degree, too. Especially when you get to the main roster where the booking's not always going to be consistent. So, I don't think he would fall out of favor or anything like that. But I'm saying I wonder who Vince would really see as the star of the group. I think once someone, whether it's Vince, whether it's Hunter there, once someone really makes them a package deal, as opposed to she just comes out and then you kind of forget about her until the end of the match, if you really brought her into it as an assistant for the match or or just have her doing anything really to be more of a team effort, I think he would be a star for it. Right now, she's just kind of there. It's not a bad one to have there, but she's just kind of there. Well, this is the the Raquel Gonzalez conundrum now. Who do you have? Who do you have beat Karrion Cross? Who's the person down the line who gets the win on him? I think it's gonna be Adam Cole. You think it's Adam Cole eventually? Yeah, really? Yeah, I really do. I just think I think Cross will be up on the main roster with the next draft here in September. So probably. Well, then he's gonna lose that title soon. That would be a good one. Cross and Walter. Yeah. Oh, oh, dude, I would love to see Walter mix it up with so many. But people like Walter just doesn't on. want to be in the U.S., right? Is that the he just doesn't want to do it? Yeah. Is that the thing. Like... It's a, well, not only that, but think about when they had him in the friggin' U.S. He was in that NXT. Remember when he was in that Survivor Series match and he was eliminated in like two minutes and got made to look like a fool? Yeah. Like yeah. It, they made, but they made Keith Lee. In that match. Yeah, they made Keith Lee, and what happened? Where is he now? He's sitting at home, and nobody even knows like what the hell is going on with yeah. him. Like, what is up with their I booking? I don't know if it's booking, but I don't know if Keith Lee has like a medical issue. You just don't know. So, yeah, that's fair. I don't want to say anything, but um, I didn't mind the match, Kevin. I know you hated it because you knew the outcome. I mean, I I thought I figured the outcome out when they booked the match because you're not going to have them lose in a five way. Was my thought on it, but um, yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, there was some there were some innovative spots, but but Cross wasn't part of them because he's definitely was the worst wrestler out of the five. Yeah. You, you say you knew he wasn't going to lose, but that's the perfect story to have Adam Cole pin Kyle O'Reilly and win the title. You that's uh, the perfect I way to get it all right without him taking the pin. Who who does Cross fight next? Is it Pete Dunne? Because Dunn got the bitter end on him and had the pin, pretty much. Does that mean that Dunn wins it then? If if your theory is to be proven and he's going to the main roster in September, Dunn the guy to beat him? No, I'd be okay with that. I don't think. I don't think. I honestly think it's Adam Cole. I, I think. I think it should be Pete Dunn. 
I think Adam Cole's already a made man. He doesn't need the win over Cross. To to be fair, in my eyes, I think that Pete Dunne's a made man too. But like to to your casual wrestling fans' eyes, I mean. I don't think Pete Dunne's really picked up any monster wins over anybody, so I think the win over Cross would do him well. Kevin, question for you. Do you think the reason this didn't connect with you is because there was really no face besides Kyle O'Reilly in the match? The face? Um, I mean, everyone's maybe. a heel. Like, True, true. And, and Kyle just, uh, I loved his series with Finn. I think that Kyle is a contender. But him coming out as like, I, I don't know Orange if Cassidy he's trying to Light. imitate like like Mox and Cassidy had a kid kind of deal like that's just not going anywhere. I, I just don't like the way he apparently that's how he is in real life like that's who he is is what I've heard I don't know but um that's I it's I the way not. he cuts promos just don't I, I, something just doesn't hit right for me. It's that hat, dude. It's not that the hat. hat doesn't sit right with me. I do not like that hat. It works for Seamus. It doesn't work for him. What about Rick yeah. O'Shea? <laughs> it worked for him, too, more than it worked for Kyle O'Reilly, in my opinion. You know who beats Kyrian Cross is a returning Aleister Black. What happened to Bobby Fish? Is he hurt? He's. I, I think he's hurt again. I mean, uh, to be fair, I know because I looked this up a couple of months ago. I know there's a big age difference between O'Reilly and Fish. And I know Fish, I think, yeah. is like in his 40s. So I could understand why they'd want to split him up and give O'Reilly a push. But I don't know. Yeah, I think if, if they get Aleister Black back, that's who beats. I could see Cause. that. I'd or, be all right with that. Could it be Samoa Joe, Matt? Could it be him? Could he be the end? I could see that not being for the title, but being a grudge match. I mean, because, Joe, if you had a champion... Who like say say it's Joe, and you, he doesn't even have to wrestle. You just literally have him wrestle like once every two months. You know, like that. I think that's a problem with a lot of modern day booking. That AEW, in my opinion, does do well is every. They, not everybody wrestles every week. They are spread out, few and far between, so you don't get sick of seeing the same people ad nauseum. I don't know. We'll see though. We'll see. I'm still trying to think who who beat Roman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you just had the answer. Maybe it's carrying Cross. Nah, I don't know. Because you got to think it's got to be a face, right? It's got to be someone the people are behind. I mean, they could call him up and make him a face. I mean, let's be honest. They just called up, uh, what's her face? Piper Niven and completely ignored, like, all of her previous stuff. So, I mean, it's not like they're not prone to just, we want to be like Marvel, but we're not going to acknowledge anything. Like, that. What a, what a load of crap that is. That's something that really bothered me, too. Them saying that they want to be a Marvel-esque universe. Because I... I personally had never seen all of the Marvel movies. Like, I wasn't a big fan of them. But about two months ago, I started watching them all in order. And the continuity and the storytelling that they have over a 10-year span is second to none. So the WWE even trying to claim that they want to be Marvel-esque is absolutely laughable, in my opinion. Welcome welcome to uh, 20, uh, 2011. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, tw- We've been on this train for this many years. You know what I will say? I don't mind WWE being a Marvel as long as they don't give Loki his own show. And that's going to do it for us from here on the house show. Um, what do you want to say to everyone out there, Mr. Crone Meltzer? I, I, I appreciate you all listening. You know, it's beautiful to be back on here with you guys again. Hopefully, um... I'll be back on here sooner rather than later. We got some events coming up. We got All Out in at the end of August, beginning of September, so I'm sure you'll have me on for that. And there may be an NXT something somewhere in between. So 
maybe we'll see each other before then. But as always, gentlemen, it's it's a pleasure having a match. I always talk wrestling with you, gentlemen. It's good to have the substitute of substance on, or substitute of what did I say earlier? Success. Yeah, substitute, substitute success. of success on. Uh, always, you can follow me on Twitter at Maddie Treats. Once again, that is at Maddie Treats. And join us on Thursday for some hot glow action. Mr. Kevin Hellions, why don't you take it? All right. Thank you guys for another great show. Thank you, Retro Network, for hosting us. Thank you to Jason Gross and Richard Reeder for our logo. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt online at Maddie Treats. You can follow Crone online if you know where to find him. You can follow me online at Mass Library. MassLibrary.com is the home blog. Go ahead and check out some show notes for Patreon, merchandise, fun.com, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, shout out to our friends over at, at Odds with Wrestling. And as this was a lot of fun, it, it was really fun to watch wrestling it's, as much as we may have crapped on it that um had some continuity at all and finishing moves and everything and god thank god we're almost done with glow this has been a presentation of the retro network